0: everybody and welcome back to don't quit your day job my name is paul i am your host as is always today uh live interview from the venerable and aromatic 222 ormsby in mount oliver slash pittsburgh i have a dude named patrick schober i had to i had to make sure (laughs) Pat, thanks for coming on the show, man.
1: Thanks for having me. You nailed the name.
0: <laughs> well, it seems like it's a German name. Is it a German name?
1: Yeah, from, from those parts, yes. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Do you, how, so how much German do you speak right now?
1: Now? <laughs> uh, uh, sehr ein bisschen okay. Deutsch. Wow.
0: That's better than than I would have expected.
1: Then I, I ask, like, Darfik on the to- toilet again to get to the bathroom, <laughs> right. and that's about right. all I've retained from high school.
0: Wow, that's that's still really, really good. Um, okay, so you have a webpage called MonsterRiff.com. That, that's right? correct. And you have a podcast called Monster Riff Presents. Correct. And then you do some marketing and consulting services. Yeah, correct. Right?
1: Uh, Right through Poetica Marketing, that is a uh, content marketing agency and events coordination company that I started in 2018. Okay, and uh, basically content marketing just means I help companies with their online presence through their communications, um, especially through their websites, blogs, and SEO performance, and a little bit of social media. And then on the event side, my wife, who has about a decade of theater um production experience helps companies put on really cool live events,
0: okay, so is that your day job and then you do all this other monster of stuff on the on the side on the d l
1: yeah like the first hour of every day is is monster riff. yeah
0: okay so that so that's how you break it up so actually let's start there that's a that's a good point um obviously the the name of my show is don't quit your day job and I think that the don't is in parentheses so maybe you can quit your day job or maybe you shouldn't quit your day job right it depends on the on the circumstances but many of us can't aff- simply can't afford to quit our day jobs uh, for whatever reason and that's fine um, one question i get asked a lot is well how can you do all the stuff that you do and my simple answer typically is well i don't do anything else right i do my job and then i do all of these things that i like to do that are all focused on music um so are you breaking down your day as you just said so you start with monster riff and then you move on to other stuff
1: yeah i I actually started monster riff actually to help inform my day job so i was looking for an seo side project and seo is just search engine optimization it's the process of improving websites so they rank well on google and other search engines and I wanted a project that was completely separate from client influence, something I had complete control over. And, uh, at the time I was, there was a toss up between like, I was really into like personal finance and like, I was reading a bunch of books on that, but I was always really into like the stoner rock scene too. I had nobody to talk to about stoner rock. Like none of my (laughs) friends were into it. My wife was just tolerating it at the time. And I was like, all right, that's, that's what it's going to be. So, Um, the decision to make that the first hour of the day came after maybe just like a year of frustration where it was like i had built this thing to run tests but i was just kind of doing it when i had time which often meant like maybe a a post got up every month or so and that's just that wasn't enough to me to make it feel right and so the when i made the decision was like the first hour of every day it's just going to be on Monster Rift. I got so much more productive and so much better output. And um, I'd actually throttled it a little bit because I held off on creating the social media presence for it just because that's a, a whole nother time right. suck. Eventually the time came where it was just like, you're not going to grow anymore unless you do that. And so it does take a little bit more than the first hour of the day now. It's like the first hour and then like 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. All
0: right. What's the bleed between monster riff and, and your day job or the rest of your life
1: there there's there's a lot of of overlap um, one of the nice things like in my personal life is you know from being in this in this space and in this scene, you know, I go to a lot of shows and so like my wife will come with me and I'll, I'll it'll uh-huh. be a show that I uh-huh. review, but she's there and we're like hanging out and having fun. I've gotten like my dad in, into certain bands and so when they come through like Lancaster where I'm from or they come through Pittsburgh, I'll invite him out or I'll go out there and we'll go and see them. And it's a whole thing because like my mom will come out, my wife will come out and okay. they'll, like, they'll kind of party yeah. together. So like it, it has its place in like my personal life. Uh, I have a bunch of friends now from the scene that I talk to every day. And then I also uh, offer marketing services to bands and like consultations right. as well. And so I'm able to take all of that information and just knowledge that I have from the marketing world and then can apply it to the music world, too. So there is a little bit of overlap, um, and occasionally, like Monsteriff ends up being like a referral source mm-hmm. uh, for Poetica, too.
0: If your if your day job is search engine optimization and and providing a service for businesses to to reach more eyeballs, right? For you for for someone who's gonna be a, a shitty guy that says, "Oh hey comedian, tell me a joke," right? So so I'm gonna do that to you right now. Why sure. why why isn't Monster Rift the most uh, search engine? Um, Uh, stoner rock a vehicle out there if you're so good at your job yeah
1: right so there there are a few reasons for that so uh i will say that for the articles that are intended as seo experiments um, are are literally just there for seo they do really really well okay Uh, so if you search like is rock dead which is a debate we often have in this scene i'm usually either the featured snippet? Well, I haven't been the featured snippet yet, which drives me nuts. For a while, there was like <laughs> there was like some study break site. It was literally a site like BuzzFeed just like designed to waste time and like give you a chance to relax. So what is
0: the featured snippet? Explain that first.
1: So if you've ever searched something on Google and the first result is isn't really like the link format of that you usually see it's Mm -hmm. like an actual paragraph and it's like here's the exact sentence that you're looking for yeah that's the featured snippet okay um so like the articles that are written to rank really well generally do rank really well the problem with monster Riff at a certain point was i stopped it stopped being an seo like space and it ended up being an album review space And when you review albums from bands that have five followers, you don't really (laughs) blow up overnight. And so at that point, it became less of like an SEO project and more of just like, I'm here to party with you guys like you got a cool album I'm gonna do you a solid and and like hopefully we'll get more people to know about you so
0: it turned into a thing that you'd enjoyed doing versus what you started it as was which is an experiment right to see what what you could what you could drive how does your day job feel about you doing all this sort of side stuff
1: well I'm self-employed so they feel pretty good about it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it it is it is nice though because they they inform each other. And so I can take stuff from the corporate world and I can help bands apply that right. in in when they have a budget of fifty dollars. Like what are what is the most like best strategy they can take in like right. their album launch, right? And then what you get is because the underground is so scrappy and they're really creative at times in how how far they can stretch a dollar Mm -hmm. or just like unusual ways of going about things, sometimes you can take that and you can apply it to the real world, too.
0: Okay, cool. So let's take a step back now and let's talk about Monster Riff. Um, uh, Listeners of of my show will know that I am not really a fan of ska, although I go to my fair share of ska shows because it's closely aligned with punk and there's a lot of crossover and blah, blah. And I seem to have a... a a fair number of ska artists on my show for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but I always take the opportunity to say, "You know what? I don't really like ska, but you're cool. Thanks for coming on the show." Right. Um, and but I have a more ambivalent attitude towards stoner rock. There's a lot of it that I like. Um, you know, Kyo's being like the the big name. I sure. think you know, Orange Goblin bands like that, which yeah. are are pretty cool. But I'm not sure I could say, this is what stoner rock is. Sure. So go ahead and do that for us. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so would it? do you think it'd be more effective to tell a little bit of like rock history or yeah. more try to yeah. describe the sound?
0: No, no. I think a, a little bit of where it comes from is a good idea.
1: Yeah, sure. So in the late 60s, early 70s, you get a lot of uh, bands that are really pushing the envelopes in terms of sound and what like rock can be. Mm-hmm. You have bands that are really kind of pushing the envelope and what their instruments can do and what their amplifiers can do. And you're getting some really cool sounds out of that. You're getting like a ton of fuzz and a lot of like new distortion. People are building like these distortion pedals and they're really starting to experiment with them. And so right there around that time period, you have bands like Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, uh, Budgie, Blue Cheer that are just like blowing your face off for like the first time ever. And specifically with Black Sabbath, you're really getting some really doomy spooky tones Mm -hmm. and one of the great hacks for black sabbath was they had a great marketing company at at their label that really sort of packaged them in that sort of demonic uh, Mm -hmm. space and that that first record that they they put out it, it's super bluesy, but it's like really, really heavy. That first song is terrifying mm-hmm. if you've never heard anything like that before, and so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of distortion, downtuned guitars, and it's just like a really, really dark, heavy sound.
0: I will interject to say that the coolness of that first record it comes down to Bill Ward, in my opinion, the drummer, who just mm-hmm. is so groovy and jazzy, and it makes a difference with that sort of riffage that you're talking about, right? It's not just, you know, a, a straight beat. Everything is sort of twisty, which is yeah. what made it so cool. Yeah. Anyways.
1: Yeah, and I think you also have, like, it was just such a great combination of, of individuals. You have you have a great lyricist. You have Ozzy yeah. just kind of, like, yeah. doing his thing unlike right. anybody else. And then you have Tony Iommi, who's just brilliant, and riffs are just spilling out of his hands right. anytime he needs them. So. You have you have this this space where for the first time people are like getting really heavy and they're kind of figuring out how to channel mm-hmm. the sound. And after Black Sabbath comes along, they you know they, they put out a few records. They're all really cool. You have that um, that record Master of Reality, mm-hmm. which I think is probably the first true stoner rock album. And it starts off with Sweet Leaf, which is like we'll talk about the cliche of stoner rock in a second, <laughs> but uh, it starts off with a guy ca- coughing from you know from right. a hit and then he's singing about like mary j yeah. right and so like that's very cliche but it that sound and that that tone and that even that like uh, bpm very stoner rock okay so anyway um from that you get a bunch of sabbath imitators you get you get bands like uh like trouble and the obsessed who are kind of following that same sort of blueprint through like the 80s and early 90s Early 90s, you get uh, Caius, which is very actually closely tied to punk. In fact, Brant Bjork, their drummer, is even on record saying like stoner rock is just what happens when you give a bunch of punks weed. And it kind of like slows (laughs) everything down a little bit, but they're still playing really loud and heavy. And so bands like like Caius and Sleep are really noteworthy just for like that really, really sick guitar tone Kaius was noteworthy because they were sort of the start of like the desert rock scene. You can yeah. feel that like yeah. desert in their sound. Bands like Sleep um obviously are like huge weed worshipers, but um it was again it was like that slow and low sort of like right. boom boom sort of sound. And so um they kind of solidify what the scene becomes throughout the 90s and then you have a bunch of bands that are doing like hybrids and things like that and in the 2000s you get bands that are now kind of mimicking caius and queens Mm -hmm. of the stone age and kind of following that blueprint so what you get in stoner rock you get a lot of that early sabbath influence downtuned guitars lots of distortion really heavy riffs but stoner rock is more i think at its core is more about a vibe and so it's a lot of just like I want to chill out to a specific riff for like eight minutes, okay. and that's what we're gonna do while we're here. And like maybe we'll we'll have a cool bass line, we'll have some cool drums, and we'll have some like harmonies over top of it. But yeah, that's that is stoner rock in a nutshell.
0: If you, if you go back to the '80s, you mentioned both uh, Trouble and Obsessed, two bands that I like a lot. I in particular, I like Trouble a lot, right? Yeah, but to me, they were they're just metal bands,
1: right? Yeah, they they kind of. Um, they're in like that that early like Doom, uh, yeah. soundscape, yeah. and like today you wouldn't point at them and say like that's Doom because okay. like a Doom band today is much different. Right. But that would have been like the early early stages, and the reason I mention them is because Doom and Stoner Rock are very closely tied mm-hmm. together, and at some points they're sort of in lockstep together, but they kind of champion that Black Sabbath sound into the '90s, which is why I, I kind of mention them.
0: So you dig Stoner Rock. Mm -hmm. Right to the point where you are now a professor of stoner rock, right? (laughs) So, so how does that happen? Like, uh, the casual music fan is like, yeah, I dig, I dig these songs, I dig those songs, and I'm, you know, whatever. I like music, but there are certain personalities, like clearly like you, that want to dive deep into whatever the thing is, right? Right. So, why why stoner rock? What what about stoner rock speaks to you?
1: i've always been into music and growing up i was a lot more into like the the grunge scene like the 90s alt rock Mm -hmm. i really really like that but as i got older i found like it it just wasn't quite hard enough like it wasn't quite heavy enough and that is what stoner rock has become for me And it is it is like a lot of the songs and the templates are the same but it's just a little bit heavier and it's a little bit harder and i like that but from the becoming like the professor as you sort of called it <laughs> that came sort of out of necessity like i, I when i started monster if i felt like i knew a lot about the scene mm-hmm. and i didn't have anyone to talk to about it so i was like whatever i'll start a blog and then uh as i got deeper into the space even now like i know nothing and like i've, I've got like people that uh people who've lived the scene like who've been right, in it for like right. 30 years and are like people that all they do is like they write music and they listen to music. And then they like go to shows. And so it's hard to compete with that. But writing f- for Monster Riff really, like, whenever you write about something, it really pushes you to understand yeah, yeah. it and study it more. And a lot of that was sort of um, fan inspired. Like, the first time somebody ever asked me to review their album, I was like, no, I don't know anything about like the technical <laughs> side of music. Like, I can't, I can't review this. And then. You know, you, you do a couple of them and it gets a little bit easier. And then I, um, I started taking music theory lessons, which were helpful. And then those turned into like vocal lessons. So I'm like trying to improve cool. myself yeah. to yeah. You know, kind of keep up with the technical side of music. And then the history just kind of comes along. Right. With, you, the, with the work.
0: You continue, like you open yourself up to it. And as you gain more experience, things just, you learn things, right? Yeah. Uh, Matt Pike, is Matt Pike? Stoner Rock, Uh, because I know him mostly from High on Fire, which I would not call Stoner Rock.
1: You might call that like Stoner Metal. Okay. And then Sleep, um, Sleep, the band that he was in before, and there's some funny stories with Sleep, but uh, Sleep would be like Stoner Metal. You could even call that Doom if you wanted, but Mm -hmm. yeah, that would be like Stoner Rock, Stoner Metal.
0: One of my favorite things on the internet of all time is the top 10 um, Matt Pike uh, shirts on stage, <laughs> yeah. right? Cause obviously he doesn't wear a shirt on stage ever. So it's just yeah. a picture of him 10 times, not wearing a shirt, uh, which is great. Uh, so monster riff.com chronicles kind of the stoner rock scene or has, and mostly what I can see is, well, the opinions thing, everything you talked about in the beginning, you, you wrote that in, in that your 200th, uh, article yeah. episode. Um, and you do album reviews, and you do some satire, some some funny things like gift ideas for stoner rock van guy.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> one one of my buddies, uh, Ryan, he he runs uh, slightly fuzzed, which is a wonderful podcast, and um, is a record label now as well. Okay. He started it off as like a meme account. I think one of his like first posts. Uh, quick side note um in the stoner rock space a lot of bands either have the the name or the word electric in their name or the word buffalo in their name okay and it's the meme of the 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 captain in the red suit and he's in the spaceship and he has to pick one of the red buttons and he's like naming his band and either has to include the the word (laughs) buffalo or the word electric in it um so he started from that and he's a super funny dude um and so he ended up starting this podcast and then he has a record label and um so now he, he also contributes content to, to Monster Riff, usually through like the satire vein. Okay. And it, it drives me mad because I used to have a satire blog as well, but I'm not like a naturally funny guy. Like I have to work really hard at it. <laughs> and then here comes Ryan and he's just writing up like the goofiest stuff, like the the five Stoner Rock yeah. gifts, um, which was a, a great, great article.
0: Yeah. Really, really funny. Um, because, again, for someone like me who only knows Stone Rock peripherally, you can still imagine, oh, yeah, okay, I understand everything that's being written here, and it's 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 still very, very funny. Um, you mentioned that your site is primarily album reviews now, or is that how you view it, or are you still doing other
1: stuff? Or I'm trying to do other stuff. Um, actually, talking to, to Jimmy, the, the guy that connected us.
0: Jimmy Minarchik, shout out. He connected us. Thanks, Jimmy.
1: Yeah, um... He, he needed like a, a primer on Doom history recently. Okay. And I didn't have one. So like right now I'm working on like a history of, of Doom article. but the album reviews have now kind of taken precedent, okay. like because you know, when there's an album coming out, there's, there's a day that it's relevant and there's that week following when it comes out that it's relevant. and after that, like yeah. it's kind of old potatoes already. <laughs> and so you really have to like get it while it's hot kind of thing. So um, when I can squeeze in something for fun, I I will.
0: OK. Um, one of the things I talk about a lot with the artists that come on the show is um, relevance. Right. So how do you if you think you're good enough, how do you rise above the billion other bands releasing stuff for you and I? We have podcasts. We have online content. How do we rise above that? Right. And one of the things I ask people is how do you. How do you self-evaluate? How do you know what you're doing is good enough? Right, because anybody can put anything out on the internet right. you now. Anybody, right? So um, the problem becomes one of it, attention. And so when you're reviewing albums, do you ever think to yourself, "Man, you should have you should have not re- you should have not released this album"? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so for so for bands. I actually usually don't review unless it's unless you like it. Yeah. And that's there's a twofold reason for that. One, I have to be pretty selective about what I write mm-hmm. cuz I'm if I'm on my own I'm getting out like one article a week. Right. So like I have to be pretty selective. And then two, uh, I'm not really doing the scene a service if I take a bad record and say it's great mm-hmm. just because I want to be nice. I'm also not doing a, a band favor the same way. Right. Um so then if I'm honest, I end up hurting them as well. And there's only been a couple of like low blows that I've maybe landed over the years. And it was only because like there were bigger bands in the scene than I felt like they could take the hit. yeah, And they did a, a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so like there's maybe only like two like really bad album reviews on there because uh, it would have been like sort oh, of insane man. not to, to cover them, awesome. you know.
0: In the guitar gear community... Um, Lots of guys take the same approach, right? There's so much gear, so many pedals. Mm-hmm. If you review it, you want to be able to talk about why you like it, right? Because you don't want to take your time to talk about shit that you don't like. But the critique there is, well, you, I mean, you only talk about happy stuff, everything. So it, the appearance is you like everything that comes in front of you. Right. Right. Um, so how would you, how would you argue that, that critique?
1: So, so to rephrase this, how, how would I sort of like, how,
0: how, how would someone know, right? Like if their critique of your page, like these guitar things that I read a lot, um, if their critique is you like everything that anyone sticks in front of you, you're a shill. People's get, people are giving you stuff and you, I know you're going to like it. If it's on your page, I know you're going to like it because you're a shill. (laughs)
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a great point. I think for for me, I kind of hedge that in a couple different ways. So another thing that I do on on Instagram on Saturdays is, is it's a really simple segment. Um, I just do like a thirty second video on like here's a couple albums that I'm listening to right now mm-hmm. that you should check out this weekend if you got nothing else to do. Uh, I try to keep up with that on a weekly basis. I I do not, but I try to. <laughs> and so like if you if you were if you hated me enough to like go and like check what did I mention and then what did I actually write about, you could kind of cross section like what I really thought was great and what I yeah. just thought was having fun with, you yeah. know, that, that weekend. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, that's, I mean, that's definitely a fair question. Um, I think that if you, I think critically, if, if you're on the fan side and you see somebody who's putting out like an article a week or a month, there's probably a pretty good chance they're going to be positive in it simply because why would they waste their time on something right. that they thought sucked and then if you if you look at something and it's pumping out like 10 20 reviews a day like pitchfork um yeah of course they're going to have negative reviews in there because they have to have like really critical opinions
0: right do you worry that ai is going to take your job
1: Yes and no. I think it's going to take my job away through people who don't understand the shortcomings of AI. Right. So and I and I say this both from the Stoner Rock side, the Monster Rift side, and from the corporate side. So the the problem right now with things like Chat GPT is it's great if you say, Hey, write me a blog on the the merits of caius and it'll do that it'll spit out 600 words mm-hmm. on why caius is a cool band but if you're in the if you're trying to rank really well on an article about caius just having content about caius isn't enough because okay. the way the search engines are set up is they're really looking for certain keywords or key phrases so it's not so much that i want to compete for caius it's i want to compete for um why is blues for the red sun such an important album in stoner rock and that's a much different search phrase right? right so then okay so let's say we figured that much out we know that much about strategy and i go back to chat gpt or another ai tool and i say give me an article on why blues for the red sun is such an important stoner stoner rock album it spits that out what it spits out still isn't fully optimized from an SEO perspective. Mm -hmm. We have to check things like length. There's a bunch of technical things, boxes that we have to check that it's not going to do by default. And I know this because I've run these tests. So then you go back into the machine and you say, okay, do it again, but make sure you do this and you do that and you do that. And it might get it right that time, but then you still have to get that onto your website and somebody has to manually do that. There are a lot of just factors that you have to take into account. And that also doesn't replace the overall strategy. So you really have to be able to see the big picture at the same time as you're doing the individual elements of of the work. And uh, AI, I think, at this point, is still just another good tool, but -hmm. it's not necessarily a replacement. So when I hear people say like, oh, I'm going to use ChatGPT to write all of my social media posts, I wince, And it's not even like because of my wallet, it's like. OK, well, what, what about your voice? Like, What about yeah. don't you respect yeah. yourself enough to like let your own brand voice shine through? Don't you care about having your own opinion? Because you still have to feed that into the machine and you have to tell it how you want to sound. Don't
0: you think that's a byproduct of people wanting to be famous just because they want to be famous and not actually have developed their voice yet, either as an artist or or whatever? Right. So here's a shortcut. Everybody's looking for a shortcut. i played guitar for 40 years. Right. And one of the things I tell my guitar teacher all the time is if you could give me a pill to make me as good as you I would take it right now, right? Because you everybody wants the shortcut. Right. And if you go on Facebook right now, you'll see write your blogs with ChatGPT, blah blah blah, all of these ads for that sort of AI stuff. Right. And people do it which contributes to the noise problem that I think exists that that we were talking.
1: Right. About. And so like to go back to your previous question about like okay how do you how do you start and how how do you become like a voice that's Mm -hmm. that has something to say i think a lot of it is just showing up it's showing up on a consistent basis and like the general rule of thumb in like the content world is it's probably going to take you 16 or 6 12 18 months to build up an audience and Mm -hmm. kind of solidify your voice and your tone and even just like have a rhythm and that's that's a long time and you can't really take a shortcut on that beyond paying for advertising right. which isn't right. always a desirable option for people
0: so let's end up here we're already at the end of the end of the show but i want to mention you you offer marketing services you offer consultations you offer something called the stoner rock band's guide to marketing yeah um so are you trying to offer services to bands to breakthrough is that really what's happening here
1: I would say that if you're in the stoner rock space, there's only so much breaking through <laughs> you can do. Uh, but yes, so the, if you're
0: the, Queens of the Stone Age, I mean, the sky's yeah. the limit, right? <laughs> right,
1: right. No. Uh, and in all seriousness, no, a lot of a lot of bands come into the scene and they just don't know how to like use Instagram. You know, maybe they've never used it before mm-hmm. or, you know, they're putting the band together for the first time and they don't have a press kit and they have no mm-hmm. idea where to start. Mm-hmm. They've never touched Bandcamp before. So that guide really just kind of lays out the basics of, you know, here's how to approach social media. Here's how to build your press kit. If you're building a website, here are some things that you should probably think about. And so it's it's not like a replacement for having like a full consultant, but um, the feedback I've gotten on it is has been really positive. People really find it useful. Um, they, they really find it helpful and just kind of like figuring out how to market their band. And then if they want to take it a step further, you know, I'm always happy to kind of talk to them and right. kind of see what opportunities they are for, for listeners on this show. I will say that like, I, I know the, the stoner rock space pretty well. And a lot of the strategies are transferable, but if like a straight punk band came in and was like, Hey Pat, help us market. I would probably be like, I'm not the guy. Mm-hmm. Because like I I know this space really well and I know exactly who you need to talk to and I know like how you go about it. Excuse me, sorry. I know nothing about punk. Right. And so like I'm I'm not the dude there.
0: What about for? So I know I have a small label. I know a lot of label owners. You know we get together and we talk about you know ah, Facebook sucks. It's blocking all my shit again or or whatever. Right. And we talk about those things as a yeah. as a as a community across the United States to say. Well, here's what I've been trying, and I've had good success doing that. These sorts of trying these sorts of techniques. Could you offer your services, your day job services, or anything like that, to these sorts of small labels or people that are just trying to get small businesses off the ground? I think
1: that would be a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Totally.
0: Cool. Um, I think I know more about stoner rock now at the at the end of this episode i want to thank everyone who's listening and supporting the podcast it is all very much appreciated please give us a like or a rating on apple podcast that seems to help us out the most thanks to pat and MonsterRiff.com, monster Riff podcast for for coming
1: on the show thanks for having me